Shalom, this is Yehudi Falman. We're going to start chapter 29 of Mishlei. Uh, chapter 29 is divided similarly to chapter 27 into a relatively long section of 21 verses, followed by a short section of about six verses that are arranged in a semi-alphabetical order. Uh, in other words, you have the Aleph, and the tough and the kind of few first few letters, the last few letters, even the beginning of chapter 29, the first verse starts on an aleph, and the second starts with a bet. I believe there's a good deal more half acrostics and sort of halfway empty acrostics floating around that we, that scholars are just beginning to discover nowadays. But the the theme of the entire parak is basically very simple. The word ish is mentioned 13 times in this parak, and uh, that's more than, you know, uh, twice as much as any other parak in Mishlei. And I think this is sort of a prelude to Eshet Chayel, which is going to be in Perek Lamed Aleph, in the middle being the very sharp aphorisms of Agur that we'll discuss tomorrow. Remember, the last two chapters are not claimed to be the work of Shlomo. They're the work of different authors, what are generally called Chachme Kedem, uh, in in Malachim it says that and then you, it gives you a list of and Haman and Dardar and So we're going to you know Eliphaz and and Bildad and 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 uh, so far and Yov too are This is a Sifrei wisdom literature. And so basically, Shlomo's finishing off with how to be a mensch. And the, the, the Sefer as a whole is going to finish off with how to be an Eshit Chayel. Ish tochachot makshet oref petayishaver ve'en marpei. A person who needs to be scolded often doesn't realize that they're meriting the scolding. So they, have, they act in a stiff neck manner the way we did at the time of the Egel, when Hashem called us Am Ksheoref, people like that suddenly find themselves broken beyond repair, destroyed beyond remedy. When righteous are the people who basically thrive, then the people also thrive. But when a wicked person becomes the domineering type, people fall under the domination of the wicked. This causes people to groan. Uh, we uh, Tanakh is full of examples uh, to back this up, but also the Pasuk century reveals the fact that in government there's lots of places that from Makomsha ain't on our ship. People cannot be guaranteed a government that's going to be to their liking. But even if the government does things that are not to your liking, as I said at the beginning, A man who loves wisdom will make his father happy, will be a joy to him. But one who takes, spends his time consorting with prostitutes is going to lose the family wealth. And, you know, essentially what it means is squander substance 
And zonot does not necessarily have to mean prostitutes. There are plenty of places in the Tanakh where zonah just means a loose woman, not just a professional prostitute. And even even then, the word zonah could be simply something that you're not supposed to do. Zonot would be like, well, toturu asher atem zonim So, a, a son who basically goes after the right things makes his father happy. The person, the son goes after the wrong things, squanders the family fortunes. Melech b'mishpat ya'amid eretz ish turumot yehersena. This is again about government. The point being that you know, people, the, the government exists in order to give people their rights. Now. You know, we tend to assume that the word mishpat in the Tanakh means justice, and this certainly could be read this way. Our shlosha devarim ha'olam omed, emet v'yadin v'yashalom. But it's also possible to read the word mishpat as rights. V'zeyeyet mishpat ha'kohanim etaam. That means the rights of the kohanim to get from the people, or lo mishpat ha'bechora. He is entitled to the Bukhara. Or Mishpat Tamelech, that Shmuel gives out, or what the kings are entitled to do legitimately. Um, so, what's being said here is that the government exists in order to preserve people's rights. And Ishtrumot, I'm going to make a slight emendation and say that Trumot should be read as if it, if, as if it said Tarmit. You know, Mirma. Many of the translators understand it that way as well. Uh, JPS, a fraudulent man. And I think that that uh, probably is what the intention is. It has nothing to do with Truma like for the Mishkan. Gever Machalik Ariyehu Reshet Pores Alpa'amal. A man who just flatters his friends is essentially spreading a net for the person to trip. Uh, and if you're smart, you don't basically pay attention to flattery. Befesha ishra. Notice how many times you have the word ish. You also have gever. You have a word adam before you're done. There's no question here that this parak is a finishing up Shlomo's words with telling people how that how to act as a mensch. When a wicked man commits evil, it's a trap. And usually the wicked man falls into the trap themselves. But the righteous person, after they watch the wicked man fall into the trap, will sing out joyously. Now you'll say to me, but didn't it say before, the answer to that is, as I said before, that has to do only with enemies of the people as a whole. It does not have to do with a person's personal enemies. Personal enemies, it's really been a fall or yivacha. You should not be happy when your personal enemy now fall. But when the enemies of the people fall, then you should be happy. Yodea dat sadik din dalim rasha lo yavin dat. 
how do you know that a person is a righteous man? Because the righteous man makes sure to help out the cause of the wretched. Here I'm going to translate the word din as cause along with along with the JPS 1985 translation. But the wicked person doesn't understand why the righteous person would even want to do something like that. The scoffers always try to stir up trouble, blow it up. And the wise person basically managed to, you know, put it down. We're going to have the same idea later in verse 11. Ish chacham nishpat at ish avil v'ragaz v'sachak v'ein nachat. When a wise person goes to court with a fool, the fool just rages and scoffs and there is no peace. Nachat here doesn't mean satisfaction as it will later in this parak. It means there's nothing to be gained by taking fools to court, you know, unless the matter is really a matter of great consequence. Uh, usually when you get into an argument with a fool, nothing good happens. This is similar to the saying in chapter 26, the first one was Altan this pasuk also has a difficulty, which is we know that the murderers don't like, you know, straight people. But how are we going to understand Visharim Yevakshu Nafshau? So Rashi says what this means is they try to help that person. Like David said, whoever tries to do trouble for you, Evyatar and Shmuel Aleph Chafbet is going to be doing the same for me. He's trying to protect Aviatar. But Rashi says that the the translators who follow the plain Pashim Shat don't seem to agree with that take on the word. But otherwise, there's a basic problem with the verse altogether because what would you mean when you say Yishtarim Mivakshei Nashel. So, you know, essentially it, it, it has to be understood in a way where the Sharim are people who are doing something positive. It could also mean they try to defend them. This was similar to the verse earlier that was pointing out how the wise person is the one who can slow down the Kisil. So the seal goes and and fills up the whole place with hot air, but the chacham ba'achor here means like ba'acharit in the future, eventually calms it down. The word shavach in the Tanakh don't doesn't just mean um, praise, which it really means anyway there in the Tanakh, but b'shol galav atata shabchem when the when the when the waves rise, Hashem you know, calms them down. That's the sense of the word here. Moshiel makshiv al-devar sheker kol mishatav rishayim. A wise king knows the difference between lies. It doesn't mean just lies. Devar sheker means to, something that's intended to persuade a person to do the wrong thing. And the Midrash says this is talking about Shaul listening to Doeg's Lashon Hara about David. 
And indeed, if he puts somebody like Doeg in such a position, he 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 is getting the benefit of his counsel. Rush Hashem. When a poor person runs into a person who basically lies all the time or is always looking for trouble, you know, they bump into each other and uh, and they look at each other. And uh, what Mishle is saying is Hashem gave light to both of them. Hashem is the creator of both the poor and the creator of the rich. At some point they meet and they should both realize that uh, they're where they are because Hashem granted them grace. And a person who basically is a sharpie also was created by Hashem. In other words, the world consists of good people and evil people. Again, the evil people are still people. You should always recognize the fact that they too were creations of Hashem. But in no way ever follow them, imitate them, or try to see to it that they don't get punished for the evil that they do. Again, um, the the a king who is fair to the poor, his throne will be established forever, meaning he'll be able to pass it on to his children. Shevet v'tochacha yitain chachma v'nar mishulach mevish imo. Again, the point is made, as it is so many times in Mishlei, that if you want to basically pass on wisdom, you sometimes have to use the whip, meaning severe punishments. And a, a, a child who is allowed to basically run loose is going to end up shaming his mother. And essentially, Mishulach would be out of control, undisciplined. The revolt Rishaim Yerbeh Pesha. Again, the more wicked, the more evil. Fortunately, uh, at some point, the evil will see their downfall. And the, the, the righteous will not just see it, but here I think the word yiru means, to some extent, gloat. Like, Hashem li ba'ozrai ba'ani ere b'sonai. Or... Don't, you know, stare at me because I'm so dark. I've just, I look that way because I've been stuck in the uh, sun all day long. Uh, but that's not the way I would normally look. Here too, I think Yeru has this feel of, you know, you'll, they'll be able to get the satisfaction of seeing the downfall of the wicked. Like, you know, in Shmuel, we get satisfaction when we see the downfall of Avshalom. Or in Megillat Esther, we get satisfaction when we see the downfall of Haman. Yasir b'necha v'nichecha v'tein ma'adanin l'nafshecha. If you are prepared to strongly discipline your son, one day you're going to get real nachas or nachat from that son. And furthermore, that son will bring you dainties, 
the lights and eventually take good care of you in your old age. Nafshecha here being your appetite or your needs. Be'ein chazon yipara am v'shomer Torah ashrehu. This might be a reference to the need for Torah and the Vim from an author from Ketuvim. But it also simply might mean that without vision, people lose restraint and ra'ui l'tihila, worthy of praise. That's what Ashrei means, worthy of praise, not happy. Ashrei is worthy of praise, is a person who he's, you know, the instruction of wisdom, but there's a possibility that this verse is also hinting at Torah, meaning the Sefer Torah, and Chazon, meaning Nevi'im as a whole. It's certainly a possibility. B'zvarim lo ivaser eved kiyavin ve'en ma'aneh. You're never going to get a slave to do anything simply by talking to them. They have to be whipped. And if they don't get whipped, they're never going to understand. They're just going to look at you, and they will not respond if just you talk to them. Chazita ish at bedvarav menu. I sort of feel this having to basically do a parak and devote one minute to each pasuk. That's simply not enough to to a pasuk properly. So I guess having to, you know, rush through a parak like that ends up making me look like I'd be worse than a conceal and sometimes I sort of feel that way as I'm coming to the end. But the point being, you really have to have the time to say the, the, the words properly and that takes preparation and that takes hard work and... Um, We'll go on with the Fanek Minor Avdo Vaacharito Yihiyamanon. The word of the Fanek is not is not used in Tanakh, but it is used in post-biblical literature to mean to spoil someone. And a person who spoils their slave is going to end up with Manon. Now the problem with that is Manon is a word that also only occurs here in the Tanakh. So there's various ways of dealing with it. Some say that the word is the same as four words later, madon. That would fit perfectly. Uh, and Midrash, Mosad Arav Cook, picks up and says, if you spoil your slave or your son, you're going to get with manon, meaning Amnon, the Bukhar of David who raped Tamar. That's cute. But I'd like to say something about slavery as we've had it so far in Mishlei. Mishlei's had a, a whole slew of Mishlei about slaves. And slaves were taken for granted in the time of the Tanakh. The first laws in the Tanakh are talking about slaves. You know, And if you read Parshat Mishpatim, you certainly get the impression that it's perfectly okay to beat a slave, just not to kill him. If you, if you, uh, if, of course, if you knock the slave's eye out, you have to basically send them free. But as a practical matter, it's, it's, it, it, the Torah is not upset about beating slaves. Mishle advises beating slaves and makes sure that you shouldn't spoil them. We might ask, how come a Tanakh is so, you know, perfectly prepared to uh, accept slavery as a routine thing, even though we celebrate Pesach as our festival of freedom? The answer being, we were ourselves slaves. Hashem did not stop slavery, he just freed us. 
slavery continued, and not only that, one day we're going to have slaves ourselves. When people go around saying that slavery is something that was fundamentally, you know, against the Tanakh, they're not being fair to the Tanakh at all. The Tanakh might be trying to humanize the lot of the slave, and certainly many things in the Tanakh seem to be going in that direction. But no one ever questioned the whole institution of slavery until about the 17th century. And uh, in the United States, even free blacks owned slaves. Um, in other words, you know, Tanakh will tell you, everybody has slaves in the Tanakh. Avram had slaves, Yitzchak had slaves, you know, Avu Darabah Yaakov had slaves, Avadim Rushfachot. Everybody has slaves, you know. Um, even slaves had slaves. Mephibosheth has a slave called Siva, and Siva himself has 20 slaves. It was, slavery was an accepted institution in the Tanakh. It's what happened for captives of war. The alternative was to kill them. People would rather be slaves than to be killed. Dish af yigaret madon rav pasha. A person who basically is quick to lose their temper will constantly be starting strife and furthermore will lead to offenses. Uh, will come, you know, it will lead to basically causing crimes. The word Pesha in the Tanakh could be better translated as crime than another, another word for sin. Ka'avat, uh, and it is, by the way, the term for a crime in modern Hebrew. I can't think of a better example for this than Haman and Mordechai. Haman's, you know, pride was such that it ended up bringing him to a fall. Mordechai, the humble person, was the one who ended up taking his place. What was Mordechai, Haman's entire problem? His entire problem was one person wouldn't bow down to him. He was the prime minister of the Persian Empire. He was wealthy. He had ten sons, Kavod Ashro, Varov Banab. But because one person wouldn't bow down to him, he got all bent out of shape, completely lost it, and ended up, you know, well hung. Cholet in Ganav Yagid. The problem with with thieves is that they can't really successfully rob people without having fences or other people to uh, to share with. And remember, Mishle started out with a whole scene of that nature, you know. Gorocha tapil bechalkenu kis echad But the problem is that, you know, word gets out and eventually someone's going to come to you and say, well, do you know about that person? Did he steal? Did it, you know, you are C and someone asks you, did A steal from B? Well, if you shared B, you're going to now be forced to go and swear in court that uh, you don't know, okay? But you do know. And the, the fifth parak of Ayakra talks about that. Emlo yagid, meaning if you don't reveal the truth, so you're ending up going against two of Yasara Tadibro, maybe three, meaning. First you're going again, Lo Tisat Hashem El Hechalashav, and then you're going against Lo Tignov, and you, you may end up going against Lo Taneh Shakar. Those one sin leads to another. Chardat Adam Itain Mokesh, U Boteach Ba'ashem Yisugav. 
This is sort of like what President Roosevelt said at the beginning of the Second World War. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. But if you, f- you have trust in Hashem, you can be certain of your place of being safeguarded. Now, the Midrash, of course, takes us to mean Boaz. Remember, we're getting to Asher Chayel, who's the only Asher Chayel in the whole Tanakh who's actually called that as root. And it's clear that Boaz is the person who basically is going to be the Ish, who's the foil for Rut, the Mensch. And remember when Rut comes to Boaz in the middle of the night to propose marriage to him. It says, So Chazal say, why was he Necharad? He was Necharad because look at the situation here. He's single, she's single, and she's all dressed up, you know, Naomi said to Barachat, Vasach, you know, and, and there she is in the middle of the night, you know. Uh, uh, if if somebody doesn't take this situation in hand, something is bad is bound to happen. But Boaz gets up and takes the situation in hand. He proceeds to say, number one, we're going to wait to have sex until we get married. Number two, I'm going to marry you and I'm going to get the consent of everybody in Mishra to do that. And number three, you know, I'm really glad you came. But I'm not going to let that. In other words, here, here the charada of Boaz could have let him into the trap. But because Boaz had faith in Hashem, he ended up high. Rabim Avakshim Pnei Mosheo Omei Hashem Mishpat Ish. People are always suing to get favors from the government. But again, I think the word mishpat means rights. There's such a thing as divine given human rights. After all, when Jefferson writes, all men are endowed by their, you know, created equal and endowed by their creator with the right to life and inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think the influence of Mishlei is all over the Declaration of Independence. These are human rights, but they're granted by the Creator. Why are they granted? Because we're created with Salam Elohim. Animals do not have such rights, despite PETA and these animal rights organizations. Toavat Sadikim Ish Avel, the Toavat Rasha Yisrael Derech. And the Shlomo section of Mishlei, the Chizkiyot section, ends with this verse, which is very appropriate. You know, Shlomo and Sidkiyot were both righteous kings. I, I mean, Chizkiyot. And they both tried to basically see to it that justice was done in the kingdom. The righteous people can't stand evil, and the the but the wicked can't stand people who want to do the right thing. Mishlei is a book that tries to tell people how to do the right thing. And the last verse ends with Ish, like it started, as I said at the beginning, Shalom, tomorrow we're going to do the sharpest parak in Mishlei, chapter 30, the Vrei Agur Bin Yaket.